Chapter 7 Riva tried to suppress it, but she couldn't help herself. She tossed back her head and let the laughter escape. The other stock clerks in the employees' lounge turned to see what the commotion was. Lisa glared at Riva, then at Mitch. Then her face turned crimson, and she held her hands up to her face and gasped. It was 8.30 Saturday morning, and Lisa had just arrived for work, wearing a gray wool skirt, silk blouse and blazer, and high heels. Before even saying good morning, she noticed that the other workers were in jeans and sweatshirts and sneakers. Reva, what's going on? Lisa asked, her eyes surveying the others, who were now all staring back at her. Reva, trying to keep a straight face, started to answer, but before she could say a word, Donald Rawson, the head of the stockrooms, walked over to Lisa and scowled at her. That was when Reva lost it. She started to laugh. Lisa, blushing hard, turned to Mitch for support. Reva could tell by the expression on Mitch's face that he felt really bad for Lisa, but he avoided Lisa's glance and didn't say a word. We generally tend to dress down a bit in the stock rooms, Donald Rawson told Lisa, rubbing the top of his bald head. I, I thought I was going to be at the perfume counter, Lisa stammered. I mean, Reva told me to dress glitzy and... She glared at Reva. I'm so sorry, Lisa, Reva gushed. I guess I got the information wrong. Could you ever forgive me? Reva was dressed conservatively in a straight skirt, navy blue sweater, and pearls. Some of the other stock clerks giggled loudly across the room. Rawson flashed them a warning frown. Miss Dewey, perhaps you better go home and change, he suggested to Lisa. But hurry back, several trucks came in this morning. We have a lot to uncrate today. Lisa gave Reva one last angry glance, then bolted from the room, her high heels clicking across the concrete floor. Almost as soon as she disappeared out the door, Rob entered, peering around the small room uncertainly. He was dressed in a brown wool sports jacket, dark brown slacks, a white shirt, with a green and brown striped tie. He had a bright red Santa costume draped over his arm. He searched the room, spotted Reva, and angrily marched up to her. Reva, if this is your idea of a joke, it isn't very funny, he said, gesturing with the costume. The hairy white beard fell to the floor, and when he bent down to pick it up, the Santa hat fell. Everyone was laughing. I don't believe you. I really don't, Rob said to Reva, ignoring them. Rob, lighten up, Reva said, enjoying his distress immensely. You're perfect for Santa. You won't even need any padding. More laughter. Rob's mouth dropped open, but no sound came out. Reva, I see you're up to your old tricks, Donald Rawson said, shaking his head with disapproval. Who, me? Reva asked, with exaggerated innocence. We've got to get to work, Rawson said sternly glancing up at the large wall clock above his head. The store is opening at 9.30, he turned to Rob, who was standing still and breathing heavily, obviously very upset. Are you going to put the costume on? I guess so, Rob said grudgingly. I like to forget the whole thing, but I really need the money, he sighed. Maybe it'll be fun. You were born to play this part, Reva said enthusiastically. That's enough, Reva, Rawson said sharply. Isn't it time for you to get to the cosmetics counter? You're a salesperson? Bitch asked, surprised, the first words he'd said all morning. Reva nodded with a smile. Daddy wanted me to start at the bottom, but I refused. Reva, please, Rawson snapped. I have to give the new workers their assignments. He raised the clipboard he'd been holding at his side. Before I go upstairs, I just wanted to speak to you for a moment, Reva said, grabbing Rawson's arm and pulling him aside. She held onto the clipboard and studied it for a moment. Then she leaned forward and whispered confidentially to Rawson, just loud enough for Mitch to overhear. I want to make sure that you put Mitch and Lisa in different departments. She watched Mitch's eyes light up, then turned back to Rawson. I see you've already done that. Thanks. She let go of the clipboard and started toward the door. 
See you later, Mitch, she called softly, giving him her sexiest smile. Riva headed along the narrow corridor toward the escalator that would take her to the main floor. What a morning, she thought, very pleased with herself. Her little jokes had gone off even better than she could have hoped. Lisa's face turned red as a tomato, Riva thought, chuckling. Maybe it'll never go back to its natural pasty color. What a drip. Mitch would be much better off without her. She's such a waste of time. The little surprise she had cooked up for Rob had gone really well, too. She had to laugh. There he was, ready to begin a management career, but the only thing he was going to manage was a line of drooling kids from a chair in Santa Land. She probably shouldn't have played those jokes, Riva thought. But why not? Why not get a few laughs? Besides, Mitch, Rob, and Lisa were all lucky to have jobs. Despite her jokes, Riva was certain they were grateful to her. Of course they were grateful. They had to be. Everything was going so well. Riva had seen on Rawson's clipboard that Mitch was assigned to electronics. Lisa to the book department. Hope she doesn't get too many paper cuts opening the book cartons, Riva thought nastily. She knew that Mitch had overheard her request to Rawson. So he had to know that Riva was interested in him. She hadn't been very subtle about it, but subtle wasn't Riva's style. Later, she decided, she'd pay a visit to Mitch and be even less subtle. Yeah, this was definitely starting out to be fun. Walking jauntily, Riva was just a few yards from the escalator when a hand grabbed her from behind and pulled her roughly around the waist. Hey, she cried, trying to pull free. Let go! Another hand clamped hard over her mouth. Despite her struggles, she found herself being dragged into a darkened supply room. Chapter 8 Riva's heart thudded in her chest. Her eyes struggled to adjust to the sudden darkness. She couldn't break away. She couldn't scream. Then, to her surprise, the hands that had pulled her into the empty room loosened and let her go. Riva spun around, anger overcoming her fear. Hank, she cried, what are you doing here? He laughed that familiar high-pitched laugh. His dark eyes glowed in the dim light of the supply room, his expression mirthful, amused. Did I give you a little scare? She stared back at him, unwilling to let him know just how much he had terrified her. Just paying you back for Saturday night, he said, still grinning, his face close to hers. What do you want? she snapped, edging back toward the open door. Did you come here just to pull that dumb joke? His smile broadened. I work here, he said. Reva's mouth dropped open in surprise. Huh? You heard me. I work here, starting this morning. She took another step toward the door. You got a job here? Someone hired you? His smile faded. His eyes burned into hers. I didn't need you to get a job. I did it on my own. She uttered a scornful laugh, twisting her face into a sneer. So, where's your broom, or did they only issue you a dustpan? He didn't react to her sarcasm. I'm working in the security department, he said quietly. An assistant. I watch the security monitors. Reva shook her head scornfully. Perfect job for you, Hank. Watching 12 boob tubes all day long and getting paid for it. He jammed his large hands into his jeans pockets. Her remark had gotten to him. Hey, you know I'm into electronics, he said, sounding defensive. Who fixed your VCR last week? Who fixed your brain, Reva cracked. You're just following me around, Hank. That's the only reason you get a job here. You can't believe that I broke up with you, but I did. Her voice hardened. Her eyes grew cold. It won't do you any good. We're through, Hank, so leave me alone. As much as he tried to conceal it, Hank's face revealed that her words had stung him. I needed a job. That's all, he said, but without conviction. Then he grabbed her arm. Listen, Reva. Let go! I didn't do anything to you, he said heatedly. You have no reason to give me a hard time. Let go! You're hurting me! She cried. He let go of her arm, but didn't back away. He's so big, Reva thought. So powerful. So strong. If he really wanted to hurt me, he could do it easily. I'll be watching you, Reva. 
he said with sudden menace. What? I'll have twelve monitors. I'll be watching every move you make. Even in the darkness of the empty supply room, Reva could see his anger. As she backed away from Hank into the corridor, his words echoed in her mind and she felt a chill, a cold tingling down her spine, a chill of real fear. Clay, what's with the knife? Pam asked. He shrugged. Just playing. He continued opening and closing the blade. He always has to be fiddling with something, Pam thought, watching his hands. He could never just sit still. Hey, man, that's not a Boy Scout knife, Mickey said, scratching his head. Where do you get it? Found it, Clay said, an odd smile forming on his lips. They were sitting in Mickey's small, box-like living room. Pam slouched low in the worn cushions of the threadbare couch. Clay in a wooden chair across from her. Mickey on the floor, his back against the couch. His legs stretched out straight in front of him. Two unwrapped candy bars in his lap. Across the room the TV was on, a rerun of some police show. No one paid any attention to it. The wind howled outside the narrow living room window, rattling the glass. The sound of a pop-top being pulled could be heard from the kitchen, just beyond the living room. They could hear Mr. Wakeley shifting his chair at the kitchen table. He'd been sitting there since Pam had arrived, finishing off two six-packs of beer. She heard him get up once to go to the refrigerator and pull out another six-pack. He's been drinking non-stop ever since he lost his job, Mickey confided, lowering his voice to a whisper. He's heartbroken. I can't even talk to him about it. Has he tried to find another job? Pam whispered. Mickey shook his head. He hasn't left the house, except to buy beer. Some Christmas this is going to be, Clay said glumly, slapping his palm with the side of the knife blade. Where's Foxy? Mickey asked, tearing open one of the chocolate bars and taking a big bite. He had to work late tonight and then go someplace with his parents, she replied, her fingers playing with a ripped bit of fabric in the arm of the couch. You know he got a job? Huh? Where? Mickey asked, chewing. Pam rolled her eyes. At Dolby's? Do you believe it? Clay snickered bitterly. Foxy, get a job at your uncle's store, and you couldn't. Pam's expression darkened. She could feel the anger building inside of her, like a volcano ready to explode. I have my cousin Reva to thank, she said through gritted teeth. She's a cold wind, Clay said, twirling the knife in his hands. He smiled, pleased at his poetic description. She's a liar. That's what she is, Pam said heatedly, surprised at the force of her own emotion. Someday, I'm going to tell her what I think of her. Why not do it right now, Mickey suggested, gesturing toward the phone on the low table beside the couch. Pam considered it briefly, then shook her head. It's not worth it. First thing you know, Uncle Robert will be calling my dad, and it would start a big family fight. So what? Clay asked, staring at her with his hard, steel gray eyes. So, I don't want to wreck my parents' Christmas, too, Pam told him, still playing with the frayed couch fabric. I don't want to start a world war. I'd just like to get back at Revis somehow. From the kitchen, they could hear the top being popped off. Get another beer can. I hate your uncle, too, Mickey said angrily. Look what he did to my dad, a month before Christmas. Clay burst out humming a loud, off-key version of Deck the Halls, twirling the knife as he sang. He stopped abruptly and jumped to his feet, the diamond-like stud in his ear catching the light from the floor lamp. Can you guys keep a secret? Pam gazed up at him. She'd only seen that gleeful expression on his face once before, when he ditched the police cruiser. Yeah, sure, Mickey said, pulling himself up straight. No, I mean it. Really, Clay said, starting to pace back and forth across the small room. Mickey pulled himself up beside Pam on the couch. They both followed Clay with their eyes, wondering what had gotten him so worked up. What's your secret? Pam asked. Come on, man, you know you can trust us, Mickey added. Clay stopped pacing and leaned against the windowsill, staring out into the darkness. I've been working on a little plan, he said quietly. 
so quietly they had to struggle to hear him. They waited for Clay to continue, but instead he walked over to the TV and turned up the sound. Then, glancing toward the kitchen, he pulled the wooden chair over to the couch and straddled it right in front of Pam and Mickey. Hugging the chair back, he began to speak in a low, excited voice, glancing toward the kitchen every few seconds, obviously determined that Mr. Wigley wouldn't hear what he was saying. I have this plan, he repeated. I know it'll work. It's a way we can have a good Christmas. I mean, get presents and stuff. He glanced nervously toward the kitchen, then turned his eyes on Pam. And it's a way you can get back at your cousin. Huh? Pam stared at him, confused. Clay, what are you talking about? I've already worked it out with the night security guard at Dalby's, Clay whispered excitedly, leaning close to Pam and Mickey. I'm going to rob the store. Chapter 9 Maybe you two would like to come along, Clay asked. Mickey laughed and playfully slapped Clay's shoulder. You're kidding, right? But Pam knew immediately that Clay was serious. Clay, she knew, didn't really have a sense of humor. He didn't kid around or say things to get a reaction from people. Clay meant what he was saying. The intensity on Clay's face quickly convinced Mickey that Clay really was planning to rob Dalby's. And now Clay continued to stare expectantly at both of them, as if awaiting an answer. Hey, Clay, come on, Pam exclaimed. I can't rob my own uncle's store. Clay's eyes fell with alarm, and he stood up to clamp a hand over Pam's mouth. He peered toward the kitchen, listening for any sign that would indicate Mr. Wakeley had heard. Then, slowly, he pulled his hand away from Pam's face. Sorry, she whispered. I forgot. Don't sweat my dad, man, Mickey assured Clay. He's so out of it, he doesn't know what's going on. Let's just keep it down anyway, Clay said sharply. He sat back on the chair, his long arms dangling over the chair back, his legs straddling the seat. Listen, Pam, it won't be like an actual robbery, he explained. He opened his knife and began tapping the blade against his open palm again. It'll be sort of like Robin Hood, know what I mean? We'll take some stuff from the rich and give it to the poor for Christmas, namely us. Mickey giggled again, nervous laughter. I don't believe you, man. Well, believe it, Clay said seriously, tapping the knife blade harder against his hand. I can think of easier ways to get back at Reva, Pam said, this time remembering to whisper. Yeah, Mickey said, scratching his jaw nervously. Robbing a big department store could be dangerous, you know? The wind picked up, rattling the window hard. Clay whipped his head around, as if expecting to see someone standing behind him. Seeing no one, he turned back to his friends, his expression still hard and serious. It's not going to be dangerous at all, Clay said in a flat, expressionless tone. It's not even going to be a real robbery. What are you talking about? Pam asked. A chair scraped across the floor in the kitchen. Mr. Wakeley let out a groan. Clay raised his hand, signaling the others to be quiet. A few seconds later, they heard quiet snores from the other room. Mickey's dad had fallen asleep. I know John Maywood, Clay said, relaxing a little as the rhythmic sound of the snoring continued to float into the room. He's the night security guard. He's an old friend of my dad's. Your dad must know him too, Mickey. Yeah, sure. I know who John Maywood is, Mickey said, shifting uncomfortably on the couch. Well, Maywood is real sore that your dad got fired, Clay told Mickey. When I told him I had this idea about robbing the store, Maywood just laughed. He thought it was an excellent idea. He hates the Dalbys. He said right away that he'd help me. Help you? How? Mickey asked. Pam sat staring at Clay in silence, wondering how far Clay really would go with this, wondering how far he'd already gone. Maywood said he'd open a back door and let me in. Then he said he let me take whatever I wanted, no problem. He'll even stand guard for me. 
Wow, Mickey exclaimed, twisting the candy bar wrapper in his hand. His expression became thoughtful as he considered everything Clay had said. Won't Maywood lose his job? Pam asked. Won't the police know right away that he let you in? Not if I make it look like a real robbery, Clay replied excitedly. You mean? I mean, I have to make it look like I knocked him out or something. Maybe tie him up. Hit him over the head, you know. Just hard enough to make it seem real. Maywood said he could handle it from there. But what does he want in return? Pam asked suspiciously. He's not going to go through all this to help you rob the store just because he hates my uncle so much. No, you're right, Clay said quickly. He has a list, you know. Some things he wants me to steal for him. Not a whole lot. Just some stereos and a fur coat. Toys for his kids. This is crazy, Clay, Pam said. It's just crazy. What about the alarm? Mickey asked. Is Maywood going to help out with that too? Clay nodded. Pam could see that Mickey had already cast aside any doubts and was ready to join Clay in this plan. In a way, she couldn't blame Mickey. She knew how upset he was seeing his dad fired like that and then watching his dad fall apart the way he had. She could understand Mickey's desire to carry out a plan that would avenge his father. Pam had a lot of the same feelings. Not just because Reva had lied to her once and said there was no vacation jobs at the store. It wasn't the first time Reva had lied to her, had kept her down, had made sure that Pam knew her place. Their entire lives, Reva had treated Pam as an inferior, as a poor relation, as a nuisance to be snubbed, to be looked down upon, to be taken advantage of. Well, thought Pam, maybe Reva hadn't been like that for their entire lives. There had been a time when they were friendly, when they confided in each other, when they did things together. All that had changed when Aunt Julia, Reva's mother, had died. Everything changed, especially Reva. She had cut off any close ties they had had. Overnight, she turned cold to Pam, had become cruel and superior. Is she angry, Pam wondered, because my mother is still alive and hers isn't? No, that was too crazy. The idea that Reva, who had everything, could be jealous of Pam was just too absurd. Pam refused to believe it. But then, why was Reva always so horrible to her? Pam realized that in the past three years she had grown to hate her cousin. Reva's refusal to let Pam have a job was the final straw. The final straw. To Pam's astonishment, she found herself seriously considering Clay's plan. But how do we get into the safe? Mickey asked. Mayway can't get us into the safe, can he? No, no safe, Clay told him flatly. We're not going to steal money. I promised Maywood that. We'll just take clothes and radios and CDs and stuff. Anything we want for Christmas. That bit of information made Pam feel a little easier. Robbing a safe seemed much more serious than grabbing some jeans and CDs. And there's no way the police will know we've been there, Mickey asked. A loud snort from the kitchen made all three of them jump. They froze, listening hard, until the regular and gentle snoring resumed. There's no way the police will know, Clay assured Mickey. If the alarm doesn't go off, the police don't come. And Maywood told me he won't trip the alarm till we're gone. And then, asked Mickey, thinking hard, when the cops finally do show, Maywood tells him he didn't see anything. He can't identify us? That's right, Clay replied, a grin slowly forming on his narrow face. Pam saw that Mickey was grinning too. Neat, he exclaimed. He turned to Pam. It's an excellent plan, isn't it? Pam shook her head. I don't know, she said softly. Come on, Pam, Mickey urged. There's no danger, really, Clay told her. And think of how much you hate your cousin. Think of all the presents you can't buy because she wouldn't give you a job. Think of how rich she is and how poor you are. No, Pam cried suddenly and jumped to her feet. Both boys were startled and jumped. No, Pam repeated. I couldn't do it. I just couldn't rob my own uncle's store. She walked over to the window and peered out past her own reflection in the dark glass. 
A storm of wet sleet had started. I'd be too afraid anyway, she added. Okay, okay, that's cool, Clay said, raising both hands in a gesture of calm. You don't have to be part of the robbery. Good, because I won't be, Pam said emphatically. But maybe you could just drive Mickey and me there, Clay suggested. Pam realized he had this all worked out. He probably figured Pam would refuse to help. But Pam was the only one who had a car. He needed her. Pam, suddenly chilled, moved away from the window. What are you asking me to do, Clay? Just drive the car. He raked a hand through his brown, slicked back hair. Just drive us there. And wait for us. The trunk on that old Pontiac of yours is big enough to hold an elephant. We'll stash the stuff in there, then bring it to my house. You want me to drive the getaway car? Pam cried dramatically. There won't be anything to get away from, Clay reminded her patiently. No one will be chasing us, remember? Pam swallowed hard. Okay, I'll do it, she said. And then she thought, did I really say that? Did I really just agree to drive the car for a robbery? It isn't really a robbery, she told herself. Besides, if anything goes wrong, Uncle Robert won't press charges against me. At least, I don't think he will. A knock on the front door startled them all. Pam cried out. Clay nearly toppled off the wooden chair. Oh, that's Foxy, Pam said, her heart still pounding. I forgot. I asked him to pick me up here. She started for the door, then stopped and turned back to the two boys. Be quiet about this. I don't want Foxy to know. They both nodded in agreement. Foxy was a nice guy, and a bit of a straight arrow. He definitely wouldn't approve of Clay's plan, especially since he had just started working at Dalby's, too. Pam pulled open the door, and Foxy hurried in out of the sleet and raging wind. What a storm, he cried, shaking the water off like a dog after a bath. Hi, Foxy. Smiling, Pam led him into the small living room. Hey, man, how's it going? Clay asked. Foxy, his dark hair drenched and matted against his head, shrugged his broad shoulders. You know. How was work? Pam asked, searching the closet for her winter coat. Did you see Reva? Foxy groaned. Yeah, I saw her. Let's talk about something pleasant instead. As Foxy took a seat by the window, Pam found her mind wandering back to the robbery plan. It's nothing to worry about, she thought. It's going to be so easy. Clay has it all planned so perfectly. What could go wrong? Chapter 10 You're so lucky, Pam, Reva said, wedging the phone receiver between her chin and her shoulder so she could let her newly polished nails dry. Huh? Pam reacted on the other end of the line. You get to hang out. Take it easy, Reva continued. I'm stuck in this stupid store practically every day for the last two weeks. Pam was silent at the other end. Reva chuckled to herself. My cousin is such a wimp, she thought. Why doesn't Pam ever speak up? Why doesn't she ever have the nerve to tell me what she's really thinking? I've got to get off, Reva, Pam said. My dad wants to use the phone. You should get your own line, Reva said cruelly. Anyway, my dad wanted me to invite you for Christmas Eve, as usual. Reva stifled a yawn. Why does dad insist on having them over every year? Doesn't he get tired of pretending we're all one big happy family? She chatted a few more minutes with Pam, blowing on her nails, checking her hair in the mirror over her dressing table. Pam seems distant, Reva thought. Maybe she's decided to give up pretending we have anything in common. Reva had heard that Pam had been hanging out with Mickey Wakeley and Clay Parker, just about the worst kids at Shadyside High. What was she trying to prove anyway, Reva wondered. Doesn't she care about her reputation? Doesn't Pam even want to pretend that she has a chance to make something of her life? After all, Reva thought, Pam didn't have it so bad. Sure, she didn't have a big house or good clothes, but at least she still had a mother, someone to talk to, someone to share things with. Tenderly running a finger along her cut lip, Reva said goodbye to her cousin. 
and glancing at the clock, replaced the phone receiver. Feeling the nearly healed lip gave her a shiver of dread, and for a moment she considered not going into work. She was already half an hour late, after all. But then she thought about Mitch and changed her mind. Mitch, Mitch, what's your problem, she thought, feeling exasperated. It was more than two weeks since they started their vacation jobs at Dalby's. Two weeks of dropping Mitch subtle hints, and not so subtle hints. Still, he hadn't made a move. Was he so attached to that drippy Lisa that he was choosing to ignore the fact that Reva was coming on to him? Was he just impossibly shy? Today's the day, Reva decided. I'll make the first move myself. It's time for a very direct approach. And then, poor little Lisa can start searching for a new boyfriend, someone as wimpy and washed out as she is. Reva pulled off the sweater she was wearing and changed into a white cashmere turtleneck. She knew it looked great on her. It really showed off her figure, and the soft white cashmere brought out her blue eyes and dramatic red hair. After rearranging her curls, she grabbed her bag and started toward the door, and was surprised to see that she had an audience. Michael, what are you doing here? she asked her little brother. I wanted to ask you something, he said, gripping the doorknob with both hands and leaning against the door. How long were you standing there? Reva asked sharply. You know you're supposed to knock, Michael shrugged. Will you take me to the store today? What? She tried to push past him into the hallway, but he moved quickly to block the door. Take me to the store, please. Why, Michael? To see Santa Claus. Reva suddenly remembered that she had promised to take him to see Santa. It had completely slipped her mind. She glanced down at him. She could never get over the fact that he looked so much like her. I can't today, she said softly, reaching out and affectionately playing with his curly red hair. I'm late for work. Will you get fired? he asked seriously. Reva laughed. No, I don't think Daddy will let them fire me, she told him. So why can't I come see Santa, he insisted, still blocking the doorway. I'll take you, Michael, Reva assured him, but not today. When? Soon. When is soon? Soon. She took his arm and pulled it aside so she could get by him. Then she hurried down to the front closet to get her coat. Poor kid, she thought. He misses having a mom more than I do. I think he's really lonely. Pulling on her coat, she vowed to spend more time with him. Then she stepped outside into a sunny but cold morning. The sudden cold made her sore lip throb. It had to be Hank who did this to me, she thought angrily. Who else could it have been? Such a vicious trick. Starting up the Volvo, she forced it out of her mind. She wanted to concentrate on Mitch. This is your day, Mitch, she said aloud, turning the car around in a circle at the end of the drive and heading down to the street. He was so good-looking, with those adorable dimples on both cheeks when he smiled, and that scratchy, hoarse little boy voice. She liked his taste in clothes, too. Polo shirts, cuffed chinos, preppy without being too showy. This is your day, Mitch, she repeated, grinning. She thought about him all the way to work. She found him at lunchtime in the electronics department's stockroom, unloading a crate of CD players. He was wearing a white sweatshirt and chinos. Hi, Reva said, walking up close behind him. He jumped up, startled by her voice. She laughed. He blushed. Hey, we match, she exclaimed, pointing to her white sweaters. She deliberately stood very close to him. Yeah, he said, trying to back up, but he was already against the wall shelves. How's it going, Reva? I've been unloading cartons all morning. We got in an entire truck of CDs and stereos. I've been thinking about you, Reva said, making her voice low and whispery. She opened her eyes wide and stared meaningfully into his, giving him her best smile, lips slightly parted. Oh, yeah. He glanced down at the carton, still half filled with boxes of CD players. I have to finish unloading these, he said uncomfortably. It's lunchtime, Reva replied. You can take a break. The boss's daughter gives you permission, he laughed. 
thanks. I said I've been thinking about you, Reva repeated, staring into his eyes. I've been thinking about you too, he said in his scratchy voice, his words sounding hurried, as if he wanted to get them all out at once. I think we should talk. I don't want to talk, Reva said, leaning forward. I want to do this. She reached out quickly and put her hands behind his head. Then she pulled his face to hers and pressed her lips against his. He let out a small gurgle of surprise but kissed her back. She held him against her, pressing the back of his head with both hands. Not a bad kisser, she thought. Her eyes went up to the security camera. She realized that Hank might be watching this passionate scene. Good, she thought, moving her lips against Mitch's, holding his head and moving her fingers through his hair. I want you to get an eyeful, Hank. I want you to enjoy the show. She lowered her hands to Mitch's shoulders and kissed him with renewed passion. Are you watching, Hank? Are you watching it all? What's wrong with me, she thought suddenly. Why am I standing here kissing Mitch and thinking about Hank? She held Mitch tightly, kissing him harder as if that might drive Hank from her mind. Whoa! An angry voice cried out from behind them. Mitch pulled out of her grasp. Reva spun around to see who had the nerve to interrupt them. Lisa, Mitch cried, his eyes wide, his open mouth smeared with Reva's magenta lipstick.